Hi, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. My name is Isabel Ross, and I'm the coach at Peak Endurance Coaching. Episode 69 is an interview with Bernadette Dornham. Bern has a background of triathlon and Ironman, but then began competing more and more in adventure racing and multi-sport after racing the Hawaiian Ironman World Championships in 2015. Her adventure racing team, Thunderbolt AR, were undefeated in the inaugural four-round national series in 2017 and made the top 10 in the Adventure Racing World Series ranking. While expedition racing takes up most of her time and leave from work, often racing non-stop for five-plus days, she still manages to combine it with the odd Ironman, on or off-road triathlon, and always loves a good trail run. Byrne is certainly someone who can never say no to a challenge and loves giving anything a go, getting stronger the longer it goes and the more sports or activities that are involved. Like adventure racing, running can take you many places, both mentally and physically. But if you have injuries or niggles ruining your enjoyment of running and hindering your performance, it's hard to be motivated to get out the door. If this is a case for you, come in and see the specialists at Health and High Performance, where they utilise the latest in technology and experience to help you achieve the results you want and are capable of. So head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run or find them on Instagram, Health High Performance. There's no doubt about it, these are strange times we are living through. Running gives our lives structure and focus. I provide personalised online coaching with regular coach contact. If you need an individualised plan, email me, isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au to get started. Please don't forget to make time to rate, review and share the podcast. Subscribing helps as well. All these things help to get the podcast up in the ratings, which helps me to get top names onto the podcast. You can also go to my YouTube channel under my name, Isabel Ross, to see the video recordings of this and other podcasts. Enjoy the interview with Baron. Hi, Baron, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Can you tell the listeners of the podcast a bit about yourself, your sporting background and how you got into adventure racing? Um, Well, probably I've always been quite sporty and growing up just did lots and lots of sport, any school sport that was offered and lots of sport after school, um, you know, tennis, athletics, netball, baseball, touch rugby, lots of running. Um, and so that's kind of snowballed a bit, I suppose. And I continued with a bit of that. I got into triathlon um, probably after I'd been overseas um, for four years. So I sort of went overseas in 2000 and um, got back in 2009. I was overseas for about four years, so 2005 to 2009. And so when I came back, I sort of got into triathlon a bit more having um you know done a lot of just general sports stuff got a bike and went from there and I'd always paddled so I'd done a lot of kayaking as um I was sort of at uni days did some Murray marathons just quite socially with friends but had done a bit of fun and then so this race came up um the Marysville to Melbourne race oh um, yes I know that one yeah, it was awesome. It was amazing. Like run by rapid ascent. They did a really good yes. job. And so it was like a, a trail run. So awesome. I love running on trails. Um, it was a road bike, which was great. I had a, you know, a tri bike from triathlon um, and then a, a kayak, which was awesome. I'd done a lot of river kayaking. So it was kind of like the perfect race. And it was, you know, I think about nine hours. So I, my I've got a twin sister. The two of us did that and we both did really well. I think we came first and second um, and nobody knew us from that sort of adventure, right? You know, or that sort of multi-sport crowd. And they were kind of a bit surprised that we'd 
done so well and we were just like oh no it was a bit of fun like you know <laughs> um and so then there were some multi-sporters there I think like Jared Kohler and yep. James Preto and they were like ah you guys should come down to paddling um and try out like the lawn adventure fest or adventure race down there and so we kind of got a mountain bike from there turned up to a few sessions paddling with jared and he was talking about all these races in china where they do crazy adventure you know multi-day no sleep etc and we were sort of my sister and i were both sort of thinking oh my god if we hang out with these guys these are the <laughs> that sound awesome you know that that switch in a lot of people that normal people would go that is crazy I'm leaving now and in me I'm like oh that sounds really awesome <laughs> so that's how you know I got into adventure racing per se but I think um it really suits me and I sort of do continue to do a few other sports as well but because I've always done lots of different sports and the longer the better often mm. um it really serves me well in adventure racing because the more skills you have, the more um, sports or adventures that you've been on, the better your experience and your abilities. So and I, I was thinking that, that it would um, enable you to more easily pick up different things that you need to do if you're used to doing different sports. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you're a jack of all trade, master of none type thing. So it's really <laughs> good. That's a really good background ground to have yeah. and you know the best thing about it is a lot of the races that you're doing in a team and you're you know really especially the longer stuff you're really reliant on your teammates so you've mm. got that team camaraderie yeah. and friendship and um yeah and you get to go and have adventures with your mates so yeah, that sounds perfect <laughs> that's pretty good you know and that's all training yeah. apparently yeah. so it's um yeah it's pretty good fun um yeah you hang and out have with you... the, the right people people yeah. and you know you get involved in good stuff and and have you done many races with your sister um actually we've done a couple of little sprint beginner races in the early days but until eco challenge um we'd always raced against each other yeah. pretty much you know in opposing teams and had that that rivalry um most <laughs> of the the team races um you sort of have generally it's been sort of one female and three males is sort of the most common uh, formation and so we of, we often raced in opposing teams and um battled against each other which is the same in our individual racing and so together yeah. and so who um like you know how it is normally one female is that because you have to have a minimum of one female in a team is there some sort of rules in that yeah they say um they say you know mandatory gear is the female and i think um it's terrible you know there's a few yeah it's kind of you know or the token chick so mm. I, you know you kind of feel that role and there's like sayings that um you know mandatory gear doesn't carry mandatory gear but I think in the, you know, the longer races, it's very evident that, um, you know, that there's a lot more teams with all guys that will pull out than teams mm. with, you know, that are mixed or, or all girls. So, and the mixed teams um, often finish or always pretty much always finish ahead of all male teams. So yeah. you're, that initial strength of the guys and the initial, you know, increased speed and, and strength that they've got generally the longer the race goes, it evens out a little bit. So whether the guys um, blow off all their testosterone <laughs> and you know um, just sort of slows them down a little bit, whereas 
you know, maybe the first day or so I'm struggling to keep up a bit. Um, but yeah. then after that first day or so, you kind of evens out a little bit. So I'll, I'm less likely to lose, or females in general, are less likely to lose, slow down as much as the guys tend to. So it kind of evens out. And often towards the end, um, it doesn't really matter if you, you know, just because you're a female, you're not any weaker. In fact, you're getting stronger. Yeah, yeah. So I think I've, I've of, noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, and you would notice the same sort of being yeah. an ultra runner that it's the, the longer that it goes, that sort of, um, you know, pacing or just that endurance sort of comes through a little bit. Yeah. And I think having a mix, male, female in your teams, um, is a good balance. You know, you don't want all the same type of person because you get benefits of having different people with different strengths. Yeah. And that's that's possibly one reason that I also haven't raced with my sister as much. We work really well together, but we're very very similar. So we don't bring different different, you know, assets to the team. We're we're similar in that respect. So that works in our favor some ways, but in other ways, you know, we're likely to have the same opinions or that make the same decisions or the same strengths/weaknesses. So um yeah. So how did you choose the team? Like who, did you have the team and then apply or or how did it all work? Oh, there was lots of discussions, you know, the rumours about Eco Challenge coming out and everyone was getting really excited in the sort of adventure racing world, you know, Eco Challenge was big 20 years ago and it was, you know, for a lot of people, um, it's what got them into adventure racing or that distant memory of, you know, the thing that they've seen from adventure racing and it certain, certainly ballooned um, or, you know, was big, brought adventure racing to the forefront. So when there were rumours about it coming out, because we uh, we all do, or myself, my friends, my sister, we all do a lot of adventure racing, we're all kind of chatting about teams. Mm. But the initial rumours were that it was going to be two females, two males in the teams. Oh. And so my Elizabeth and I just thought, oh, that's perfect. Well, it's a chance to race together. Mm. And, um, you know, we sort of both had a, a, picked a guy that we raced with and Leo and Sloshy, our teammates for it. Um, I've raced a lot with Leo and Elizabeth's raced a lot with Sloshy and I have. And we've all raced against each other and Leo and Sloshy have raced with each other a lot as well. So it kind of, and we're all good mates. So mm. we kind of fell together, I suppose, that way. And once we we found out that you didn't necessarily have to have two, you know, um, you could have a, a combination of one or three uh, females, um, we still, still thought, oh, it's a pretty good opportunity to still race together. We've got a good yeah. team that we enjoy racing with. Um, let's give it a go, have a bit of fun. Yeah. Use the twin angle perhaps to try yeah. to get a spot. Because I think, yeah. um, you know, we you needed to get a, you need to have a little hook or, of something to get in and rob who you've spoken to you know he was racing with his wife so not only was is rob's team you know one of the top national teams as well as our team you know we all race for the, the top step of the podium in the national series and in the world cup you know world series races um that wasn't necessarily going to get you a spot just because you were good you needed a little bit of a hook for tv i think yeah, I think because it was being made for TV, they, it, they were looking for a story as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's, it's not just a, yeah, it's not just an application for a race. It's yeah. they're casting as well. Yeah, and how was it? And we racing? thought we had a good twin. 
angle. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good we angle. We thought we had a good twin angle. And then there was another, another set of twins from India who, you know, that's kind right. of stole our glory. <laughs> they did. <laughs> what was it like racing with your sister? Did you get along okay? Uh, we were, um, well, sorry, you're just um, breaking up a bit. What was that? Yeah, we were sort of, um, like, we get on really well most of the time. That's good. Uh, we, we, we from time to time, but that last, you know, 30 seconds and then it's forgotten. Um, but you never know, certainly in an adventure race state, you know, five, six days with minimal sleep down the track, how are you going to go? So <laughs> the guys were a little pre-worn that they might have to play referee, but actually it was fine. We, we you know, um, yeah. probably needed to do more for some drama for the cameras, but we, um, yeah, we raced well together. And they got, like I said, we're all, the four of us, um, and even our assistant crew member were great friends. So we just kind of had a ball racing together. That's awesome. That's really good. And how did you um, designate the different roles and responsibilities in the team? Um, I suppose we were really lucky in that because we raced a lot with each other and together they kind of just naturally fell into place and we all really work well together. Um, I think, uh, you know, Sloshy or Dave and, um, and and Leo are both very strong navigators. So yeah. they took the maps for sure. Um, Liz and I can nav, but not at the pace that we can sort of race at. So they were the main ones that looked at the maps. Um, and, but we most of the decisions um, with strategy were kind of discussed sort of as a team and just, I suppose it wasn't one sort of person making decisions. It was kind of just happened as a team and you know um we might be better at a little bit of organization but the guys you know might be better at some other things so we were really lucky that a lot of the roles didn't have to be discussed or worked out it kind of because we've raced with and around each other and they changed throughout the legs you know to start with um someone might be carrying more gear but then it changes the next day when someone's not feeling so well and you know someone else might start off stronger paddling or on the bike but it switches around and so you're all we're a very even team in looking at after each other and and in strengths I suppose which is which is amazing yeah and, and that's great that you know that you can fall fall back on each other um how long did it take you in total <clears throat> um seven days I think um we finished a hundred and oh now you're testing I think 150 hours or and how we much just sort of finished yeah. Just going on to the day. And how much sleep did you get in that time? Um, oh, I haven't actually added up. We actually, pro like, it wasn't a lot of sleep um, for, you know, for someone who's at home or for a normal race and certainly watching. But I think in terms of this type of racing, we actually had a bit more sleep than we would normally get. So the first night when they paused the race, yep. um, you know, you normally don't sleep that first night sorry, the second night, um, we didn't sleep the first night, but the second night they had to pause the race. We'd got through the gorge, but a lot of teams had got stuck yeah, behind right. us. And so we got a good like six or seven, eight hours wow. sleep that second night, which is, That's you know, awesome. we got stopped at maybe nine or 10 at night on the second yeah. night, which is perfect. You're ready for a sleep then. Yeah. We were halfway through the billy billy leg, which was kind of long and arduous and just doing our heads in more than physically challenging so it was nice to break that up um yeah. you, know, you know it would have been a really long funky paddle you know billy billy through the yeah. night when you're really wanting to sleep so that was quite nice 
and then the the camps, the four camps during the race, and the and the finish was the fifth camp. Um, we kind of you had a ninety minute stop minimum, yeah. and so even if you weren't using your sleep card, because we had a sleep card where you had to spend, I think you had five lots of three hours, in a transition or a checkpoint. Um, the 90 minutes gave you a chance to do your transition, change your gear, swap, get ready for the next leg, read some maps, plot, you know, plot, plot the map and the course, but then also get a little kip. So I think, yeah, we probably got about six, seven, eight hours on that second night, maybe the third, fourth night, I think. Um, we might have had, you know, 90 minutes um, and then maybe, oh, sorry, yeah, probably a couple of hours actually, and then two or three other periods where we had sort of two hours or so. So it wasn't too bad. And we actually got stopped just before we finished. So we just had the ocean outrigger yeah. paddle to go, but the winds had picked up. Um, and so we got there sort of mid-afternoon, but they'd stopped. Um, they, there were a few teams, one or two teams stranded on the islands ahead of us. Um, so they weren't letting any other teams going. So we sort of had a full night's and more sleep that last night. So we crossed the finish line relatively fresh, I suppose, <laughs> in terms of sleep. Still, after seven days of racing, nothing's um, could no. be described as fresh. No, I can't imagine. How do you how do yeah. you deal with um, sleep deprivation anyway? Like when you're racing, because a lot of those things, like for for my mind, if I haven't if I'm not feeling fresh and awake, I'll, I'd be hopeless at them. How do you do that? Yeah. And I think sleep deprivation is one of the hardest things for people mm. who haven't done it to consider how to, you know, to, to um, really picture how it's done. Mm. And you just kind of do it is probably the, the short story of it. It helps um, if you're, if you've got a team. So if somebody's feeling sleepy or somebody's, you know, you notice they're not talking, you, you know, you need to talk. You need uh -huh, to yeah. keep eating because that keeps you going. You, you know, have you done those two things and they're not, you know, you're chatting away or you're, you're eating, but it's not helping. Do you need to take some caffeine or, you know, do you need to splash yourself with water or do you need to, you know, try to shake things up? I know people have lots of different um, techniques for doing it. Um, but I think in the end, again, if you've got a really good team around you, you're kind of helping each other out. Um, to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and, you know, yeah, we tell a lot of bad jokes. We <laughs> talk a lot of crap. We yeah. tell, retell stories again and again. Um, and, you know, as you're getting more and more sleep deprived, the stories get funnier or weirder regardless. Yeah. So that's where, you know, after night two, that's where it gets funky. And... <laughs> You know, I think it's the first time I did it, you know, the first 24-hour race or the first 48-hour race where you go through the night, because you're kind of always concentrating on different things and what you're doing for the most part, um, it's okay. Like, if you're sitting still and just trying to stay awake, you've got no chance. But if you're kind of trying to think of different things or keep your mind a little active, um, you know, and your body a little active, then that can help the sleep deprivation but you know you just sort of keep going and you certainly see you know from at different times you have different you know sleep monsters or visions of different stuff and things get funny you know I you get I think I for the last few days of this race the eco challenge I was 
just hysterically laughing at anything, you know, and I knew it, but I really couldn't stop it. So it was, <laughs> you know, it's a bit of fun and it, it is, it is definitely part of the challenge. Um, it's not for everyone. Um, yeah. It's not great for your body. It's not great for your mind. Um, you know, we've been known to, in other races to get into a, a transition and be like, Hey guys, do we need our bikes for this bike leg? And it wasn't like an obvious, yeah. It's kind of like, um, yeah, I think we do, you know, and the, and I think the very typical one that if you ask any team, they've all had this sort of this similar experience that when they're walking along and they're like, wait, wait, guys, guys, we're missing somebody. There's only three of us. One, two, three. Look, look, where, where's the fourth team member? And then, and then you sort of realize, oh, I'm not counting me. I never mind, just keep going. And that's, that's quite a common one, but that, you know, you, yeah, you do have different, different, um, different things that happen. I think it's always hard when you're on water. I find in kayaks mm. at night or cause it's quite rhythmical. You're often sit, sitting down. Yes. You're just kind of lulling yourself to sleep and you know, your brain's kind of going, I'll oh, just shut one eye just for a bit. Oh, just shut the other. And oh, just for a bit. And you know, you're hoping your, your teammate in the front of the boat or the back of the boat is, watching the steering or you know you're just relying on each other to wake each other up it sounds like um but that's where all the funny stories come from yeah yeah i bet and, and it sounds like it it is it that it's the team environment that really makes it as well yeah and i think those um i mean you'll probably know the same things that during a race you go through a lot of hard times mm -hmm. but once you've finished a race those hard times just seem like funny stories um yeah. and they're the, the ones that you keep sharing and you're you know you have that memory lapse where you forget how tough it was and how many times you swore you <laughs> never do this again because all you can all you can imagine is that soft comfy bed and lying lying somewhere with your feet up yeah. um you kind of forget about those hard moments and often the hard moments become the good stories that you keep retelling yes, and it makes I you agree. want to go back and do it again for some strange reason I know what, what we must be suckers for punishment or something. I don't understand it, but you know, that's the way it is. Um, well, was... you know, all the stories when you tell of each other of all the races that you've done as well, yeah. you never sort of tell of that race. Oh, do you remember that race where everything went really well and I just <laughs> start to finish and I felt great the whole way? Like, yeah. those aren't the stories that you share. You're like, oh my God, do you remember that race where we ran out of food? We were lost for 10 hours. We you know, forgot our shoes and did it in this or it rained and we slept in bike boxes or a toilet block, you know, <laughs> like just like those type of stories are the ones that get retold almost like a badge of honour. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I can imagine. I'm, I'm sure you have lots of those stories, you know, darling. <laughs> um, almost like a bucket list of things to tick off. <laughs> And so what was your strategy going into the race? Did you have one or? Um, yeah, we did. We definitely did. Um, we wanted to be competitive and race hard. I think um, having done lots of these type of races before, the really long ones, our plan was um, to race sort of smart, know that, you know, it's not going to be one in the first day or two um, mm. to kind of try to be really consistent, keep moving um, be efficient, um, but not bust our guts early, try to make smart decisions um, and just, yeah, use our experience and, and, you know, and as much speed as we could without blowing a foof of valve early, I suppose. 
um, yeah. and and have fun. So you always do well when you're enjoying it. Um, yeah. We had a very fun, enjoyable team. We always knew that we were going to enjoy it and enjoy each other's company and you know take stock of those moments um, and the experience that it was. We were very lucky to be racing Eco Challenge. It was an incredible experience. Um, no expense was spared on the course, on the logistics, on the setup. Um, it had been a long preparation to get there. So we were going to enjoy it. And if, you know, racing well and hard was going to come if we enjoyed it and had smiles on our face. That's how we all race the best. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think our, our main aim before it was don't make the opening credits in a fetal position or crime, you know. <laughs> um, and get through it we'd heard that you know it was going to be tough that you know teams might not finish so we were determined to to finish um and yeah hoped we could finish well which we did now it's billed it was billed as the the world's toughest race do you think it lived up to its name oh i think um they're all tough and they're all mm. tough in different ways yeah. i think for some teams definitely it was the toughest race um, but what makes it tough isn't always um, the course and the way it's set or the length. It's how many challenges or things that go wrong happen to you. Mm. So we had a relatively trouble-free race. We didn't get lost. Um, we didn't make too many mistakes. Um, we weren't too sick in, you know, I think we had, a, you know, we had a bike mechanical that was um, later in the race from Sloshy. I was a bit sick on one of the rafting legs. Um, Leo's foot was a bit sore towards the trekking, so he was sort of um, limping and struggling through in the last sort of trek legs. Um, and Elizabeth was getting a bit sore, at, uh, feeling a bit sick in the gut sort of towards the end on that last sort of sup and um, outrigger. So everyone, we were a bit um everyone had a few little things but it wasn't anything that was going to break us and every leg had something that was a kicker um like every good adventure race had that was going to challenge you you know every leg goes on that little bit longer than you really want you kind of like yep i've i've done it had fun <laughs> this is enough for this one but it just kind of keeps going so it was definitely tough um i think i've had races that have I thought will have broken me a bit more or um, in some aspects, but that's, you know, probably we were enjoying it. We were supporting each other. Nothing too dramatic went wrong or against us. So um, maybe it wasn't the toughest race that I've done, but that's not necessarily, the course was definitely challenging and tough. Um, yeah, plenty of stories. The more stories you get out of it, the tougher that a race is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. It definitely cut, ticked a lot of boxes in terms of adventure racing, you know, how to set a spectacular, challenging, brutal course. It ticked a lot of those boxes and more. Well, that's good. That's so, a long-winded answer. To, to no, no, that and that's fine. And do you have like, uh, I mean, as you, I know with um, long distance racing is you have many high points and low points, but is there, for instance, one particular high point and one particular low point that stick in your mind? Um, oh, I think we certainly had um, my 
sister and I certainly had a very high point. It was our birthday on day two of oh, the race. Yep. So, um, which, which was fantastic. And we had just finished sort of the first, the ocean, uh, we'd done the trek and then came getting onto the SUPS to go up yep. upstream for 50Ks or something. And it's kind of just, the moon was out, it was a very still night. Um, we started supping up this river and it sort of ticked over to midnight and we were both like, oh, happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. You know, it was, yeah. um, it was pretty special, moonlit night, um, adventuring day one or into day two of a fantastic experience, great race with, ma- with mates. Um, you kind of were like, oh, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. And that was, you know, racing with your sister then was pretty cool yeah. and being you know, greeted by our um, support crew in the TA, you know, singing happy birthday, that was pretty cool, I think. Just a yeah. special moment. It kind of made you appreciate and realise how lucky yeah. we were to be doing that race, which we knew and we were very grateful and um, grateful of. But that was probably the, a, a pretty good high point. Yeah. Um, in terms of low points, I think, yeah, you definitely have a lot throughout the race. You know, that <laughs> mud on that bike leg that was sucking mud was pretty soul destroying at the time. In fact, Leo's, the sole of his shoe actually came off of his oh. bike shoe, so it really did destroy his soul. Um, <laughs> that was probably pretty tough. I think even like as we were getting towards the finish, the last little bike to the finish, for some reason, all four of us had in our minds that it was just like a 30k bike leg pretty much downhill to the, the SUP. So we were like, sweet, this is going to be cruisy. And then it just kind of kept going on and on. And it was definitely 30k. I don't know where we got that in our heads from. And it definitely wasn't all downhill. And it was sort of from the night to the morning and early mornings, the temperature started to rise. We had our bike mechanical. You're pretty sleep deprived. You're sort of almost at the finish, but not quite. So I reckon that was probably as a team, our biggest sort of struggle point where we had yeah. to really work to, to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you train for an event like this? <clears throat> um, that's a good question. I think, um, I think coming from triathlon uh, and doing Ironmans and that sort of racing, that's a really good, that endurance um, base is really good. So being able to just go long and slow, you know, not slow, but just sort of st- stick at a heart rate is a, re- is a really good um, base, that type mm. of training. Having said that, and so that was doing Ironmans and adventure racing, it's a really good crossover from from Ironman to adventure racing, but you also then need for adventure racing need to train in lots of different skills. So mm-hmm. going adventuring to go pack rafting or outriggering or supping or hiking, um, you know, riding in the bush on you know limited trails and uphills and camping over somewhere and doing all those things. Basically, anything you do is good training for adventure racing because you're learning lots of skills and just spending time out there and knowing how your body reacts. So um, having a a good base fitness from whatever and then building up skills in lots of different activities is kind of how you train, just lots of different stuff. But for me, yeah, yeah, it's that, that having that long endurance base and I still train a lot with 
a trier group um, and that holds me in good stead from fitness and endurance and then I'd go adventuring with my adventure racing buddies um, to build up skills and adventures. How do you find time to, to do all of that when you're working and, and you know, adulting? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, some would say adulting is, um, you know, in inverted commas, but uh, <laughs> I think I'm really lucky because I really enjoy it. So when I get up in the morning to go for a run or a ride or a swim or a kayak or whatever, I'm generally often doing it with mates. So that's my, like, catch-up time with mates. I'd much rather catch up with them you know, in the mornings or the evenings or on weekends, going for a run or a ride or a hike or having an adventure, you know. So mm. a lot of my social time and my enjoyment, enjoyment time, time is, I suppose, training. Um, so in that respect, I'm pretty lucky. I don't have kids yet. Uh, I've got one on the way. Oh, um, congratulations. So that, thank you. So that's quite helpful, but it, that might also change. Um, but then my partner and um, friends are also all love adventure racing. So we're all, you know, yeah. accommodating and um, of, of, of kids and yeah. um, understand the, the challenges of that. So, so yeah, do you plan I, to I keep um, adventure racing once, once, you know, after the child? Definitely. Can I just yeah. put it in the backpack? And, <laughs> yeah, and why not? There. I think yeah. we're just trying to work out whether you know, a row gaining pair includes me and a kid or whether I need another adult as well. We'll see. We'll see how young the kids can do it. So, yeah, no, I definitely, um, Good. you know, I don't find it hard to find time to do that type of stuff because it's what I enjoy doing. Yeah. So um, you make time if you enjoy doing something and it's, it's easier to get out of bed early if you're going to meet your mates or do something that you love doing. Yeah. It's a no, pretty that's... lucky, you know, it's, what keeps you going the same thing that gets you up to go running yeah. you're always gonna yeah enjoy it feel much better after it a better person yeah. yeah so what would you say to someone who um has watched this uh um special on prime and and is interested in taking up adventure racing how would you recommend they get involved oh definitely do it that would be my first one i think um it's the, the eco challenge is quite extreme. So that's a really long race, um, lots of different skills that push you to your limit. But there's lots of adventure races that start smaller, you know, that just go for um, a few hours or half a day or a day, you know, and you just start with those ones um, and enjoy it. The atmosphere around um, any adventure race really um, is very much, we're all, race, we're all in this together. We're all racing the course. So everyone's quite supportive and friendly and helpful. Um, and then after we've raced the course, then we're racing each other. So it's not quite so much, you know, some individual sports or some maybe more road, more yeah. um, sports that are more um, predictable, potentially. It's more about the individual and not, so, yeah. you know, a bit more serious. But these, you know, races, the shorter races, the sprint series, um, they're all about having fun you know, having that good story. And if you get lost, oh, that's all right. That's, that's part of it. That's a good story. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah. Um, yeah, there's, you know, hook up with your local mountain bike or your kayak club or, you know, adventure race, reach out to some adventure races and they'll point you in the right direction wherever you happen to live. Yeah. Um, there's always someone to go adventuring. It's a very friendly 
um, community and there's certainly been a lot of interest after Eco Challenge. Oh, I bet, um, I bet. <laughs> for, for races, so yeah, yeah there'll, there'll be a lot more novices out there. That's um, right. But there's certainly, there's certainly adventurers that, um, adventure races that cater for that. Mm. Um, and that's the beauty of it, you know, you can have um, beginners racing against very experienced races in the same race and you'll you know some of them overlap so you're seeing each other and you're all preparing together so um yeah. it's a pretty good sport yeah oh, that's a, it, it does sound good and i have a few years ago done, done a couple of those small ones as well and i just had a blast so yeah, yeah. they're really enjoyable you net you sort of don't know what to expect and that's half yeah. the enjoyment of it um yeah just a different experience and you can come with any sort of background um and you'll have skills in some area you know and you'll yeah. partner up with a teammate that's got other skills so you'll you know you'll figure it out together and that's pretty much what adventure racing is just figure it out how we're going to get there in the best way possible yeah so um i was going to ask have you applied for the eco challenge next year but that might be a bit difficult for you oh, i don't know I when you do We've definitely applied. Um, it took us about a, a millisecond to consider <laughs> yeah. whether we would or not. We, we It'll make racing. a good story um, if you've just had a baby too. It, it would, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, the, yeah, Patagonia, which is where the oh. next Eco Challenge is like the ultimate. I think yeah. there's been, there's a race that already runs over in Patagonia or a couple actually. And it's always been one of those like that's on your must do list. Although, yeah all the races that I've seen happen, all I can remember from them is pretty much people riding at a 45 degree angle of into the wind. a massive headwind with yeah. all their clothes on, pretty much moving backwards, you know, while they're <laughs> pedaling at full speed or they're, you know, sitting in a, in a pack raft or a kayak in their full dry suit, looking very cold with snow mountains around. So it's, um, tropical races are harsh. Um, I think the skill level for this race will be a lot more testing and not so forgiving. Although, I mean, tropical races have their own challenges for sure. The heat, you know, heat versus cold. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, they always bring. So yeah, so we've definitely signed up. Um, we're Excellent. along with probably half the world now. Yep, I think so. That certainly <laughs> sparked the interest. So yeah. we're just sort of waiting to hear. Um, they've announced a couple of dates. Um, mm. I think with covid it's more likely to be later next year the november one yeah that's anything. what i'm thinking um, and, so and that'll suit you better be, anyway um, well until yeah. we the racing by then yeah yeah absolutely no, yeah, yeah yeah so i'll be um good to go and my partner mile he actually also raced eco challenge this year he raced in a scouts team the scouts oh, australia team cool so um we we joked and said that if i beat him we'd have a kid so uh <laughs> I did, um, and yeah, he's applied as well. So we'll see. Oh, cool. We could so, both be racing again. So would you race? So, but he's uh, entered in a different team as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He t he he's raced uh, quite a few adventure races as well. We haven't really raced together. Yeah. Um, again, apart from some little races, I think because we've sort of both had the teams that we raced with, um, yeah. and and I still beat him. So I figure. I'll keep doing that. It's, yeah, no, sounds, yeah, sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> have, uh, have some good rivalry, some different stories to tell each other. I think yeah. that's always good. That's great. Um, <clears throat> so did you get to meet Bear Grylls? 
We did. Yeah, we met him a few times. Um, I had a bit of a chat with him sort of at the start of the gorge and um, uh, yeah, and, and a couple of times. I think uh, I'd love to see him do an adventure race. Yeah. I think, you know, he'd probably be quite good at it um, if he had, you know, came along with some races with some people who knew, who had a bit of experience as well. I think he'd be able to tough it out a little bit. Um, and he was quite good on the cliches and motive motivational speeches which was quite interesting I think definitely for you know some of the um the people that were new to it or weren't really sure they sort of needed a bit more motivation and positive encouragement we kind of um found it entertaining and, and it was good to have a chat with him I, I was quite happy that I managed to out cliche the cliche master <laughs> at times I think we were talking about going walking up this gorge and was talking about how hard it was and you know take each step one at a time and I said yeah yeah just like eating an elephant you know one bite at a time with some grizzly bits and he was kind of <laughs> like oh yeah <laughs> that. and I think he had a speech to the um to the assistant crews later on um and I heard from someone else that they he used that line and I was like oh that's yeah. awesome <laughs> so yeah but he certainly you know he's um his following and his name has certainly helped bring notoriety to the sport um, and a whole different, you know, the adventure racing community is relatively small. It's a niche sport. Um, So for him to open it up more to the world has been quite good um, and was, you know, pretty impressive. I, the old eco challenges that were run by Mark Burnett, um, you know, Mark had done a race himself and then created this. So he had that, know-how of a race and how the strategy and stuff worked i think some part of me thinks that bear grill was a little surprised at how well everybody did um in terms of finishing it and how fast you know he sort of was it maybe a little surprised at how fast that you know us top teams and the, the field managed it because i think in um in 20 years since the last eco challenge adventure racing yeah. and the people that do it has come a long way Okay. Um, and improved a lot and so he there was a lot of talk that he was you know he wasn't expecting anyone to finish and that we were going to do it you know it was going to be super tough and it was don't get me wrong but I think that he might have been a little bit surprised about how many teams finished and how fast we did yeah. finish um which is which is great but it also probably means that the next one we might not be so lucky <laughs> well, up the you know, ante. Yeah, we thought he was going to kill us this race. Um, and, you know, we were hoping to just make it out alive, you know, in some part. But I think maybe he will actually in the next race, you know. <laughs> oh, well, we'll all have to stay tuned and, and fingers crossed you, you do get in. And we'll have yeah. to do a um, follow-up interview then when you do. Yeah, for sure. All righty. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast and sharing your experience with us. Well done. And... Um, we look forward to hearing about your next adventure. Fantastic. Thank you. It's always um, never a trouble to speak about adventures and adventure <laughs> racing. Thanks for that. Bye. Thank you.
I find it so funny that she said they are sometimes so out of it that they can't remember that they need their mountain bikes for the mountain bike leg. How she deals with that for days on end is beyond belief. Certainly very, very impressive. Next interview this week in my week of Eco Challenge podcasts is with Travis Macy. Travis was part of Team Endure that included his father who had recently been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. It's a fascinating conversation and provides another perspective on the world's toughest race. I hope you find it as fascinating as I did. Have a great week of training.